Cycling has always been about winning. Recently, the hegemony of Team Sky and lately Jumbo Visma has turned out that having a strong team won't necessarily make you win. However, it will help you massively. But having a strong team comes at a cost, a financial one. Today's podcast is all about that topic, as Joe and I discuss the possibility of introducing a salary cap in today's cycling. Yes, hello and welcome back to the Ascent Cycling Podcast. And as Guillaume has mentioned in the intro, we will be discussing the possibility of introducing a salary cap to the world of cycling. And for those of you that aren't quite sure exactly what that means and what a salary cap entails, essentially it's limiting the financial power and the spending of teams to try and perhaps equalise the field a little bit so we don't have one or two teams that can sign every single rider because they have five times more money than every other team. That is essentially the concept of a salary cap. So today we're going to be trying to analyse what would happen if we introduced a salary cap in cycling. Joe has put it brilliantly. For those who follow maybe American sports, uh, the salary cap is a concept you most likely are familiar with uh, as it is present in the NBA for sure. Uh, I believe in the NFL as well. Uh, but yeah, as Joe said, it would be having a limit on the amount of money a team can spend on salaries to try and even the field a bit. So a few riders have commented on this subject in the past and notably one that I have found is Alberto Contador. In 2017, when he was finishing his career at Trek Segafredo, he was in favour of introducing a salary cap. He says, I think there should be a salary cap. You have to decide what the amount should be for example, 15 million euros on rider salaries, because if budgets start to go through the roof, we're going to find it difficult to attract sponsors at all. But all in all, he was in favour of introducing a salary cap. Now, we have to consider that at the time, he was losing the Vuelta to Chris Froome and Team Sky, uh, which may have, of course, swerved his opinion slightly. But there's a, a mix in the peloton. I think Froome himself has said, you know, where do we draw the line? Of course, we could introduce a salary cap, but at the end of the day, we're all humans, we're all eating the same foods, fueling ourselves for the stages. And is it fair really to limit a team's spending if they have that power available to them? What do you think on that, Guillaume? I feel like having the, a limit, maybe not necessarily a hard limit, but having a limit would be somewhat important because uh, I've got the budgets of some of the teams on this year's Tour de France. Um, we're going to take like two teams from the World Tour. We're going to take EF and we're going to take Ineos Grenadiers. On paper, both teams are strong. They are strong uh, World Tour teams. Sure, Ineos is by far better than EF, but EF did a good season, finishing on the podium with Ducati on the Vuelta, getting a few stages here and there, doing well with the likes of Dan Martinez, uh, Michael Woods. They still have the likes of Rigoberto Uran. They're a good team. There's one big, big difference between those two teams. EF's budget for the 2020 season is 10 million euros. Ineos is 46. That's four and a half times the budget of EF. And that leads to having an Ineos team on the Tour de France with the likes of Bernal, the likes of Carapaz, the Kutkowskis. Um, there's so many riders and it leads to having an armada which put cycling not as interesting as it could have been. You mentioned Alberto Contador. Um, and Contador was always one of those riders that always attacked, 
because he didn't have the strongest of teams uh, alongside him. And I feel like if there is one day a salary cap or a limit on what people can spend, or if the money is distributed maybe a bit better between teams, uh, then I think it could genuinely increase uh, entertainment in cycling because I've talked plenty of times on the Tour de France um, that I didn't like how Yumbo was riding uh, because it's even more boring than what Ineos did and for eight years we were bored by Ineos but just having five riders basically being a lead-out train to their leader on the queen stage of a Grand Tour it's not something people want want to watch uh, and it loses the interest in the sport. I feel like the salary cap could um, put interest once again on on the scene. Interesting. It's very interesting because you mentioned Yumbo Visma and we saw Ineos riding a lot on the front throughout the year. They are the team with the biggest budget in cycling. That is w- without a doubt. Yumbo Visma don't have the same budget as Ineos yet. They were still able to rise in a similar way to how we've seen Ineos rides in the past. So... Taking that into account, is this budget salary cap, if it was introduced, is that actually going to prevent teams riding how we've seen Ineos with this, with Skytrain and Jumbo Visma this year? Is it genuinely for sure going to prevent that? Because if that is the main goal of introducing the salary cap, I'm not certain introducing the salary cap will have that effect on, on cycling. So it's a very difficult one to get right, that's for sure. I agree, and uh, I, I do get your point. I think it's quite tough to, to talk about this year as a whole, cycling-wise, because it's been a very odd season, obviously, with the pandemic. Um, but, like, we, you've mentioned Jumbo Visma and their train. Jumbo Visma uh, appeared on the Grand Tour scene two, three years ago with Kroivaik. Well, actually, a bit more. Like four years ago, potentially, with Kroivaik. Then Roglic, and then they signed Dumoulin. Dumoulin was their big signing this year. Their budget went from 9 million to 20 from 2019 to 2020, so that they doubled their budget, which is somewhat important. Sure, they're still 26 million off the Grenadiers, but, I mean, Ineos are in the league of their own budget-wise. The team that um, Jumbo Visma brought on the Tour de France was Roglic, Dumoulin, Van Aert, Sepkus. There might have been a Hessink in there. I don't think George Bennett was there. But if you take someone like Sepkus, I do not know what his uh, contract is. But I'm pretty much convinced that comes the end of his contract, he's going to want a bigger one. I'm going to guess that Primoz Roglic might ask for a bigger contract as well. Wout van Aert most likely will ask for a bigger one. And if all of your riders start asking for more money, we come back to the initial question, at what point do you draw the line? Because Jumbo Visma can't extend their budget forever. So they'll have to potentially lose a few riders. Therefore, having a team maybe a bit weaker and if you've got a weaker team, you've got less chances of making a massive train. I can see your point because you are definitely having an impact on the strength of riders you can sign. One team I think is very interesting to look at in this discussion is the Quick Quickstep because I think most people would consider them to be the best classics team in cycling and they have been for a very long time now. But they certainly don't have the biggest budget. They have a fair budget, but it's fairly standard, I would say, in World Tour so Quickstep aren't able to pay their riders like Ineos can and like other teams can, yet they're able to keep Philippe. They're able to attract a Remco Venepool on a long-term contract as well. So perhaps Quickstep, I feel, 
are showing other teams how you can operate at a slightly lower budget, but still really compete and dominate in uh, in many types of races. Yeah, I feel like Dukunonk has done well. Uh, I also think Dukunonk, more than the financial aspect, Dukunonk knows how to win. Um, and if they're going to sign someone, he's going to be good with them, no, no matter what. Uh, like, take Sam Bennett, he's an absolute beast for Dukunonk. Uh, however, take someone like Elia Viviane, beast for Dukunonk, moved to Kofidis, less of a beast. I think there's uh, a winning pedigree that attracts a few riders. Uh, they also have a very young squad uh, and they get a lot of riders from their reserve team, uh, if I could call it like that. But the likes, I think Joel Almeida comes from, uh, was it uh, Hagen Berman? Or like, I think, no, Hagen, yeah. Uh, Rémi Cavagna comes from their reserve. Philippe comes from their reserve. Uh, Remco Venable doesn't come from anyone's reserve, but technically, I mean, he is from the Conanc. They build riders and then they might say like, all right, we're going to, teach you how to like win for I mean, it's very easy uh, let's simply put to teach someone how to win but um they in like in hindsight they give them the help they need so that they can solidify themselves as riders for the Kunak when they actually become pro uh and compared to someone like Ineos Ineos every year they want to like increase their team by getting better riders like they already had a packed team they signed Richard Carapaz who had won a grand tour the year after that, which is this year, they've decided to sign Richie Port. They've signed Yates. They're signing triple A level riders, and you have to pay them. If you're Dukunan, can you sign Evenepoel? Uh, I, again, I don't know the contract. I don't think Evenepoel is paid as much as a Richard Carapaz. I think there's some aspect. Dukunan are a winning team. They have that uh, philosophy really in the team, and the, and they know how how to win, like you say. And that that's all it takes. For many riders, if they have that ability to win and be in a winning team, money and that slight extra paycheck, if you're able to get it at a team like Ineos, maybe isn't the decisive factor for them. And also probably being a Belgian team, um, I think a lot of Belgian riders are more favoured to signing for quick step than, than a team like Ineos as well, which perhaps have more of a focus on the Grand Tours, whereas a lot of the Belgian riders who do sign for quick step and are successful in the classics, uh, really wants a team to be focused on those types of races, um, which which I think is also a factor. Oh, of course, the financial, like, the the national aspect, sorry, uh, definitely comes into play, um, and also the specialty aspect. Uh, I don't think Teugugenart wouldn't go to Dukonank for his first team because Dukonank isn't known as a Grand Tour squad. The same way that I don't know, like uh, a young Yves Lampard wouldn't have gone to Ineos thinking that it could be his breakthrough because it's not a team focused and you have to go towards the team that's specialized in what you are specialized so there's the Kunang specialized to the classic maybe that's why their budget is slightly less than a team like Ineos because you get less money for, or you're mo less likely to get money from classics than you are from Grand Tours the, the bonuses given if you win the Tour de France I believe it's 500k uh, I don't think it's the same if you win the Ronde de Paroubet or any other classic. So I think the budget is uh, set accordingly to the um, to the specialty of a team. Uh, but one other aspect that comes into play when we talk about a budget of a team, and I'd like to get your, uh, your point on that, is that the teams are based around a sponsor. And nowadays in cycling, you've got three teams basically sponsored by a nation. That's UAE, Bahrain, and Israel. We've seen Israel making huge moves for next season, uh, sending the likes of Chris Froome, 
I'm guessing his contract must be somewhat huge because it's still Chris Froome. Um, you do have Baron McLaren, who've lost McLaren as a sponsor, but still managed to like not fold. And UAE, which are the, th the second uh, biggest team um, budget-wise in, in the World Tour. Do you think those kind of teams would be keen on, on seeing um, a salary cap being introduced, knowing that they basically have unlimited funds? I can't imagine so. I really can't. The same goes for Ineos. I think Ineos and those three teams you've mentioned are probably the four teams most out of favour as introducing any kind of salary cap because naturally it's going to it's going to prevent them from being as competitive as they're potentially able to with the current rule set. So it's only it's only natural for them to think that way, I guess. And for me, most of the other teams will will probably be on the other side of the fence um, because they want the equal chance and I think it's only natural for all of these guys to want the best for themselves and you can see both points uh, both points of view because if Ineos and these teams like UAE have that massive budget is it truly fair to prevent them from using it to be as competitive as they can be because you you could say okay they have a bit a bigger budget is it fair for the other teams who have a smaller budget but at this, in the same sense is it fair to inhibit the other teams spending when they have that power um so it's a very difficult difficult question i think it is a tough question it is a very tough question i think at the end of the day what matters most is for cycling to still be interesting i talked about it briefly at the beginning but if you're gonna have a race and you know before the race be even begins that you're gonna have this team will ride at this point said person will attack or will attack will accelerate for his leader and you can call out the entire race even before it begins I think that's where people start to, well, should start to look and be like, all right, maybe we should change something. Because UAE, as as, as we said, on unlimited budget. Uh, but I, I don't see, I mean, sure, they, they can spend millions and millions and millions and millions. But it's, it would make the sport very boring, in my opinion. And then the races would potentially lose sponsors. So everything revolves around the money aspect. Uh, but another question regarding the likes of UAE, Bahrain, and Israel mainly, not really in those, but what is your opinion on having teams funded by a nation and not a sponsor such like, I don't know, Sunweb or, or Lotto Sudan? I've got no issue with it personally. I feel if they want to invest in cycling and give riders opportunities to grow and get a, a good paycheck, I, I've got no issue with it personally. I think there's a lack of money in cycling compared to some other sports such as the NBA, which we mentioned earlier, um, and plenty of other sports due to due to various reasons, really. Um, so I welcome it. I, I don't have too many issues with it. What's, what's your opinion? I don't either. I don't either, as long as it doesn't become completely huge numbers. Like UAE is second with 30 millions. Um, again, with the current climate, it's quite tough to talk about like cycling in this future because we don't really know where it's headed. There's plenty of teams folding. Uh, I mean, NTT found a new sponsor, but they're going to lose division. CCC, who are the third highest team budget-wise this year, are going to fold. We talked about Bahrain losing their se their secondary sponsor in McLaren. Um, I think a lot of teams, when they enter cycling, know that they're entering the sport uh, at a loss. It's I don't know many teams that, in cycling that genuinely make a profit from, um, from what they spend. Um, but as long as the money like from those funded teams doesn't become huge. Uh, I don't have an issue with it. It's quite similar actually to, I mean, we talked about NBA. If you talk about football, let's take the Premier League, for instance. 
Um, I think every team in the Premier League is um, is uh, owned by uh, a, a huge consensus or a, a group of people that have money or shareholders, I guess. Um, and you've got at the top the likes of Man City and at the very bottom you've got the likes of Burnley. Uh, if, let's say, I don't know, Burnley beats Man City, then it's a huge upset because it's the small one beats the big one. In cycling today, we're still allowed to do so. Well, we're still able to see some things like this happening. We can see, as I said, EF beating the big dogs on, on the Vuelta, for example, when Hugh Carthy beats everyone at the Anglieru, which was great. Uh, but I feel like if the big teams keep on spending and the small teams have the same budget or maybe like increase it by 2 or 3% over the years, we'll be less likely to see those kinds of upsets uh, and we might not see someone like Joel Almeida or Jay Hindley doing well on um, on a Grand Tour because, I mean, every team will have like three or four, or every team, no, every big team or every big budget team will have three or four guys able to win the race uh, and that would just remove any kind of flavour to cycling. It's interesting because because to me, having those underdogs and the teams to beat with a, with all the spending power it's somewhat interesting to me because when you do see that upset happen, it's great to see. But I do think one point that we haven't touched on yet and one shareholder really in this whole discussion is or are the riders themselves. And one point on that is, do we want to suppress suppress rider salaries artificially and prevent them from earning how much they can for being a professional cyclist? And doing that, could somewhat be detrimental to the sport, which, as I mentioned earlier, doesn't have a great deal of money in the sport as a whole currently and most likely won't in the future either. So preventing riders from earning their maximum in the sport artificially for no other reason than a artificial salary cap, essentially, um, I think that has to be considered as well. And really, for me, that's one of the reasons that I'm not certain that introducing a salary cap right now is, is the right thing to do. I see it. I see it. And that's why I don't think that necessarily a hard salary cap could be the choice. You could have uh, a modulable one with like a maximum budget, uh, let's say 50 million. Or actually, let, yeah, let's say 50 million is the max budget. But a team like Ineos, which earns much, much more money, could, I don't know, there could be some rules implemented. Uh, I think I read something maybe a couple of years ago uh, on, on Reddit. I can't remember where. I mean, I think it's Reddit, but it probably like, it was two, three years ago, someone had suggested that um, if Ineos was to sign up for some riders from like um, teams that develop riders, uh, I mean, for example, Androni, they, they are very good at forming future climbers, uh, the likes of Bernal, uh, I think Ivan Sousa, Kevin uh, Rivera, the Costa Rican guy. Um, they are always a team that forms um, young riders. And the idea was that if, let's say, Bernal joins Sky or Ineos from Androni, a percentage of um, of Bernal's wage would actually go to Androni because it would help the team uh, keep on forming riders because that's what they do and that's what they're good at. And if they lose the financial power they have, then they can't keep on forming riders and it's a detriment to the big teams. I mean, it, it, in the NBA, it's a bit different because there's a lot of money in the NBA and everyone has the same salary cap. But let's say everyone in cycling has 30 million. Every team, every sponsor has 30 million as a set budget. It would be so much more interesting because you could see, 
I don't know, let's say Carapaz. Carapaz has the opportunity to join Ineos for uh, a salary of, let's say, 6.5 million. Th those are completely random numbers, right? But you've got a team like NTT. Well, I mean, no, let's not take NTT because they folded. Let's take Trek. Trek are able to give him 7 million. You've got the, the dilemma of either going for the money or for the competitive aspect. And that's why I love, because in cycling right now, well, if Ineos slaps 6.5 million on the team, uh, there's not many teams that can actually compete with that. And if every team had the same set budget, it would be so much better. You could have moves every year from like big riders to another team, and it wouldn't necessarily always be like the good riders from small teams going to like be a teammate or an important rider to a very, very big team. The point on developing young riders is another crucial one for me because if we think about a, another sport in addition to the NBA, for example, football or soccer, as some people may call it, cycling's different in the sense that there are no transfer fees. It's really the end of, end of contract is when riders are signed. 95 plus percent of the time, that is the case. Uh, you rarely see buyouts of contracts. So because of that, you're not truly rewarded for developing riders and something I think that definitely needs to be looked at in cycling and could be done with some form of salary cap um, and some rules that are introduced around that. I think teams should be rewarded much more for developing riders and um, I think that's that's pretty crucial because currently big teams, world tour teams don't really have any they don't gain anything from having many young riders in the team because they can leave easily. So they don't, they're not really encouraged to give young riders opportunities um, like you see in other sports. Oh, 100%, 100%. And uh, you've you mentioned soccer. Um, I'm going to go back on basketball for a second, but imagine, right? Imagine if every team had a set budget and you could see, like you've said that there's no transfer fees uh, in cycling or like there is in soccer or football. In basketball, you do. I mean, you don't exactly have transfer fees. You have trades. It would it would have been absolutely huge. Like, let's say, come back to the Carapaz. I don't know why I keep focusing on Carapaz. I've got nothing against the lad. But let's say Carapaz goes from Ineos to Movistar. No, sorry, from Movistar to Ineos. And in exchange, Movistar gets um, Castro Viejo. I don't know. Pavel Sivakov and uh, let's let's slap I don't know like uh, Brandon Smith Rivera and like maybe Ineos gets well pays Movistar a bit to like make the balance. It would be incredible. It would be so much better from like a financial aspect because there wouldn't be any loss of money because right now Movistar lost their leader. They didn't gain any mo from it any money from it. Therefore they can't replace him, and they become just not as good as they used to and they can't do anything about it because they are not receiving any kind of income from that transfer and i feel like that's where the big issue is uh you've i mean you've, you've said it brilliantly like there's no transfer fees so there's no point i mean you, a team will not gain anything if they leave a rider i don't know it doesn't make sense to me that a team that loses something should at least get something back that's how I see it. And even if, let's come back to, right, Movistar loses Carapaz. He had like a 6 million wage. Well, they are now able to spend 6 million on someone else. But 
are they attractive enough because they've lost everyone in their team? Maybe not. And that, therefore, they can maybe spend more money on a rider that would have spent less. But because the money aspect is there, he's more likely to join Movistar than, I don't know, Bora or Sunweb. And there's so many things to touch on on that subject because cycling in its current form, I feel economically, is not viable. Every team enters at a loss. Teams are folding. Uh, there's some potential scam strength to go, in, to go on. Uh, I think Mitchell and Scott was like technically in one of them earlier this year with Manuela Fondacion. I haven't figured out everything yet on, on that subject, but it's just, it can be a very shady place knowing that the money is so important. And if a team is dire to get some, they're going to go to extreme length trying to stay in the sport. Yeah, I feel like uh, uh, something needs to change in cycling today. The trading system you mentioned is is definitely very intriguing to me. I personally am very interested in NBA and other American sports too. So the trading, the, the trade system may sound very alien, I feel, to a lot of cycling fans. But to me, I think it would be very, very interesting to see how that would play out. I think one thing we have to consider is the difference between a soft and a hard salary cap, which I think you touched on earlier. So the, the hard salary cap really... Is a, is a firm limit. You cannot spend over, for example, 30 million, like you said earlier. Whereas a soft salary cap, you still have that, that limit of 30 million, but you are able to spend more than that, but you pay a tax on that. So for every, for every million dollars or million pounds you spend over, over the salary cap, you're charged an extra million or an extra two million. That's how a, a soft salary cap would work. And um, what's your opinion on on the soft versus a hard salary cap, Guillaume? I'd be more, le- I'd be leaning a bit more towards the, the soft one, um, especially if those extra millions in tax could be potentially given to teams that don't have the actual budget. Um, like, let's say the the salary cap is thirty, Ineos enters the season with a budget of forty, they have to pay an extra twenty million of salary of yeah of salary cap or of luxury tax technically. And those 20 millions could be given to teams like, uh, I don't know, Trek, EF, which may have 25 million of budget. And that could make up the gap to 30. And it could even the sport. I think it's something that could be great. And you've touched on the trades. Uh, for those who don't know how the trade system works, it's somewhat easy. Um, a team ha- like loses a rider for 6 million to, uh, well, let's take again um, Ineos and Movistar. Movistar loses Carapaz for 6 million to Ineos. The trade, to make it work, Ineos would have to make an offer whose value is also 6 million. It's equivalent to what they're gaining. It's a very simple system. It would be just incredible because there would be no loss. Sure, there would be a sports loss because you're probably like, if you're sending someone for 6 million and you're getting four riders back, for example, for that same value, you're most likely going to miss out on the talent and the strength that your leader has, but you're getting four new guys that you could potentially use to get someone bigger if you trade them again. And I would be extremely curious to see how that system would work. Um, I don't think it would be extremely easy to implement. I don't think every team would be willing to do so. I mean, we've talked about UAE, Israel, Bahrain, and Ineos as their teams with basically unlimited fundings. I don't think they'd be necessarily willing to do so, but... Should it ever happen? Should we ever see a soft salary cap? Should we ever see some like a trading system being implemented in uh, in cycling? It would be great. 
I'm fully with you. I think a, a soft salary cap would be would be great to see in cycling. I'm not sure a trading system would be fully realistic in the near future, maybe further down the line. But what that would also do, having a trading system in place, would really encourage teams to develop riders. And if you develop a rider and show how good he can be, maybe you'll have the bigger World Tour teams looking to trade for him and give you back uh, something in the form of other riders or or even cash perhaps that you could also have in, in a trading system too. So that's one way that you could definitely encourage teams to develop riders, which which as we've mentioned, isn't really a thing in cycling at the moment. I'd, I'm trying to like think of many teams that uses young riders, like young prospects uh, at a world tour level that aren't proven. So like I'm not counting Ben Alpha, for example, for Ineos or like Theo Guggenhardt because he did prove a few things. Uh, but I can think of obviously De Koninck, who are a very good team for young riders. Uh, potentially Sunweb, I guess, could be classified as one. That's basically all that comes to my head, right? Like, oh, well, that's all that comes off the top of my head. And if every team were to develop young riders, because they are, at the end of the day, the future of the sport, there needs to be something done for, for young riders because finding a spot in World Tour is already tough enough for them. Finding a spot where you can actually show your strength and show your capacities without being limited as a role of a teammate or of a domestique, it's extremely hard, especially in World Tour. So, so Guillaume, you're placed in charge of the ECI tomorrow. What changes do you implement going into the 2021 season? Tell me exactly how you'd, how you'd go about it. If you'd introduce a salary cap, what type it would be um, and how you'd see that playing out. I'd have a salary cap. Uh, it, Ideally, if every team was to be, to be willing to do so, I'd have a soft salary cap limited at, uh, we'll say 25 million, because there's only two teams above 20 million now in, in World Tour. I'd have a salary cap at 25 million. Every team that spends more than 25 million has to pay an extra million to each team that cannot make up the budget to 25. It would technically have every team at 20 uh, 25 maybe a few teams at 22 24 but i feel maybe sponsors at that point could try and make up for that money even in today's climate i'm i'm, I'm saying that it's an ideal world there's no pandemic everyone can like potentially make the cut to 25 million um i wouldn't have a trade system quite now i think it's more of a fantasy from from me it's mainly because we're in in the nba free agency right now and i'm completely mad at it but uh, I, I, I mean, I think it would be sm a smart move to have trades, but it would be extremely hard to implement, especially right now. But yeah, I would definitely have a salary cap, uh, a soft one, because it could make cycling just more interesting. You would have the small teams beat the big one, although technically on paper, I mean, Ineos would still be the big team in everyone's head, or like Yombo or UAE compared to, I don't know, uh, Arkea Samzik, for example. Uh, and yeah, I definitely have a salary gap uh, with the tax on it to try and help uh, the smaller teams make that budget. And also I'd have a percentage uh, on the wage of riders from uh, formation teams, I guess, that go back to that team so that they can keep on doing their work to try and make cycling progress, such as an Androni, as I've mentioned, or like an Axens Hagen Bearman. Or, I don't know, even an Uno Eggs, which is a development team. Yeah, I would fund them to help them continue because right now it's a bit tough for teams like that. Yeah, sure. Personally, I would also introduce a soft salary cap. One thing I'm definitely against is 
artificially suppressing rider salaries and that that soft salary cap aspect really fixes that in my opinion because teams can still and have the ability to pay riders what they wish they're just penalized for it over over a certain level one thing i do disagree with you on is that it should be a 25 million um kind of salary cap going in from next year if these numbers are correct so let's assume they are Ineos are paying 46 million currently in their salaries i personally wouldn't say it's fair to put a or to impose a salary cap with a cap lower than what they're currently spending i know they're massively above many of the other teams currently to me they've they've done that under the current rules so should they be penalized for that going into next season and have to get rid of a load of riders to me that doesn't seem completely fair so i would perhaps go in at 50 million or slightly above what any else are currently spending um, which does allow a lot of growth within cycling um, hopefully the financial aspects of cycling will grow and there'll be more money in cycling enabling teams to spend more riders to earn more money too um, and so I think we should set a fairly high limit on salary the other the other point is what do you do with the with the luxury tax money say teams do go over the salary cap and for example Ineos went over they pay a certain amount they pay 20 million dollars of luxury tax over the year I think a good way to split that would be to give it to the teams developing the under 23 riders. Um, as you mentioned, you could give a specific amount for each rider in each team under 23. I think that would be a fair way to do it and would equalize the fields as well as really rewarding teams uh, for, for developing riders too. Okay, I agree. I mean, I agree with most of the things you said. Um, I do realize that the 25 cap is a bit harsh especially like if it starts next season uh but i mean i think you said 50 right um i don't think someone a team like from the world tour like ef can make the bridge from 10 million to 50 uh, because even if the limit is 50 if no teams can increase their budget then the salary cap doesn't really change anything uh so what i mean i do agree with the fact that it's not exactly fair for Ineos because they've followed the rules and they just have more money than the others but in that case, maybe have a salary cap that decreases from like 45 or 50 this year. And by 2025, the cap would be at 30. I think that could be like a decreasing cap. Uh, it allows every team to make their budget for five years time to try and reach 30 million. By that time, Enos can clear 16 million. I believe so. Um, and I think everyone could be happy. I mean, obviously the 25 million cap for like next year is a harsh move i do realize it now um but i feel like you can't ask team to well you can't say that the limit is 50 even if teams today struggle to reach 15 i do fully see that point um which is why it's so difficult to get this right if a salary cap isn't introduced there is a hundred percent going to be a portion of teams a portion of riders that aren't happy with the decision so that's why this is going to be a difficult move to make and really why I can't really see it happening in reality in cycling as good as I think it could be potentially. Um, I can't see it happening because there are going to be large portions of the peloton not happy uh, with the way it's implemented. I think at, at the end of the day, it's more of a fantasy, sadly, because I do think that there are more benefits than there is downsides with implementing a salary cap. But there would be too many factors to take into consideration also, what we haven't mentioned uh, in the NBA, uh, but there's it's there's no team that falls 
the franchise stay or if it doesn't stay it gets relocated to some to like another place uh, but in team it's quite common to see team folding and uh, it would need to have a team that replaces them with already a set budget and that's not done at all uh, as we said cycling is a very tough place for for money uh, as i've mentioned plenty of times you enter the sport as a loss or at a loss sorry so i feel like the financial situation won't change at least not now uh maybe i don't know in a couple of years maybe in a decade uh if things genuinely be stuck in the current situation maybe we'll have a change i'm all for it but i would be quite interested to hear you guys opinion what do you guys think should cycling have a salary cap if yes what kind of salary cap um and if not why if there's people actually against it i'd actually know why that would be something because we haven't touched on uh, upon why there should not be one so yeah I'm, I'm quite curious to to hear that yeah guys definitely let us know what you think in the comments let us know on twitter as well we're available um on twitter too uh, all the links will be in the description in the show notes as well guillaume any final words can we actually have interesting cycling and no just two trains in every single mountain stage let's hope so